The Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. start with Psalm 121, just so we can read it together. If you want to turn there with, with me in your Bible, Psalm 121. I think Tammy thinks it's a pretty good scripture. This is the song she sings when she sings it a little bit later. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and get ready to praise him. And Father, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful day. We thank you that we can stand here today and praise you and thank you for the finished work of the cross, for all that you've done. Lord, we thank you that we are complete in you. And when we're complete in you, that means we don't have to compete with anybody else for anything but to give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's praise you. Taste and see the Lord is good.
Let's turn our Bibles if you have yours. Uh, if not, John will put some of it up. Hebrews chapter 11. We're talking about enjoying a God kind of faith. Amen. Our faith is ignited by Jesus. Amen. Inside of us. He puts the faith in and he even ignites what we have. He ignites the faith in our hearts. I remember, if you remember from last week, I'll just go to my page here from last week. It says, faith is a better understood as confidence and trust and belief, reliance, trustworthiness, fully persuaded, fully convinced. That's my wife's. So, And you, maybe you can come up with your own on the way through. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is New King James. Last week I was in the Passion. Of things, the evidence of things not seen. For, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's, that's really strong stuff there. Strong truth. That the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It's everything contrary to the way we think in our humanness. <laughs> by faith, Abel, verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. And by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Anybody can do it, Teresa. If he can do it, you can do it. So if you'd like to do that, I'll help you out. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, but he trusted God. Amen. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, For he who waited for the city which has his foundation, whose builder and maker is God, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And verse 12, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. That's a lot of people when you try to, now, did you ever just go ahead and go by the beach and drop to your knees and try to start, start counting? <laughs> Every strand. But I'm not going to read the rest. You can read the rest of this. The whole chapter is all on faith. But everything starts. Let's go to Mark Next, let's go to Mark 11. I just love teaching. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. That's why I write all my notes down, because if not, I don't know where I'd be. 
I'd be lost. I'd be standing up here wondering what to do next. That's why I teach. I don't really preach. I don't come up here with, you know, cute slogans and, you know, and shout and scream and, and rhyme. I don't do that. It's just not who I am. I'm a teacher. Mark 11, starting in verse 20, it says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, or Jesus, that's Jesus there, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Verse 22, So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God or of God. It doesn't matter. It's either way. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, and he will have whatever he says. Now, that to our, our little finite human mind, I don't know about you, but a lot of people probably think, did he really say that? Can that be that I could walk up to a mountain and cast it into a sea? That's what it says. It says you can have it if you believe. So what stops us from accomplishing so many things in our life? Our belief. And that's why it says in Luke 8.50, only believe. You know? That's why Jesus said in John 6.29, the best thing and the greatest thing that we could ever do as Christians is believe. Believe. And then in verse 24, he says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I know it's important to work on being people of faith, being people of love, being people of grace, but I think we have to learn how to believe because it's very hard in a world that's filled with fear, you know, and it's contrary to the things we believe in. We have to believe. We have to set our minds on things above, not on the things of this earth, you know. So every word in the scripture speaks of a view towards application based on faith. Jesus himself said the only way we would know if his doctrine was of God would be by as it is applied, applied to our lives and then experience. We have to apply it, and then we have to experience And until then, it's nothing but a theory. And a lot of the stuff we read in the Bible, you know, is like, for a lot of people, it's a fairy tale because they can't believe it's true, but it's there. It's there to say it's possible. Because Jesus says in these verses right here that if you'll just believe, you could go to the mountain or any, you know, a mountain could be, your financial problem. A mountain could be an emotional problem. A mountain could be a family problem. You could speak to that in prayer. And that thing will change if you believe. So we have to have that ability. But knowing the reality of the kingdom of heaven is meaningless until heaven is experienced here on planet earth. So it only stands to reason that we want to move from theory to application. Amen? And the new everlasting covenant, spirit covenant, takes every believer straight to a faith-based application which leads to an experimental reality of God's truth and love. When we start believing and we start fully convinced, fully trust, trusting, having the confidence of what Jesus says is true, then we can move from theory to application for our lives. And it's a response of trust to God. We apply his word because we believe God is good. 
and only good. He's not good one day and bad the next. The war is over. You don't believe me? Read Isaiah 40, verse 1. It says, the war is over. It's done. The faith-based application stands in complete opposition to work-based religion. I have to do something to earn God's love. I have to please God. I have to do something. It's not what we don't have to do anything. He did it all for us. All we have to do is what believe what he says. Because a work-based religion is a legalistic attempt to earn God, earns God's goodness by our performance. I don't know about you, but my performance stinks. And that doesn't add up to anything. See, work works-based religion promotes self-righteousness in a person who can also be very disciplined and organized, but you're not getting anywhere with it. And these types of diligently work, and these types diligent work to perform at high levels really don't honestly give God the glory for good outcomes in life. They literally give themselves the glory. Whoa, look what I did. Look, I, I could do that. Wow, I must be good. I, well, I'll just start me a business. I'll just be performing. Well, it'll work in the world, but it won't work in the kingdom. The kingdom is totally different. After all, it was by their strength and their diligence they performed, while those not self-disciplined experienced deep guilt, condemnation for their shortcomings. See, but faith-based application gives rise to the grace of God, His power, His ability, and His strength working from a heart of faith inside of us. See, God received glory in the excellent outcome, knowing it is His strength that gives us the ability to walk in His Word. See, grace is best. Is somebody playing with that chair? Who's got it? Okay. <laughs> I seen the chair moving. I said, ain't nobody on it. <laughs> I said, let's talk about this. <laughs> God, God wants us to believe. Believers see believers grow in their trust for God and dependence on His kindness. God is kind. He's good. He wants to bless you. He, he just has to find ways to bless you every day. He just wants to bless you. You have to, What you have to do is stop so He can catch you. you know, sometimes you have to go to certain places in the house and just sit so He can talk to you. You know, because you're moving all the time and you can't hear all the time when you're moving. But God wants us to grow in our faith-based application that introduces an entirely new dimension of connecting to and experiencing God. Your way is better. Amen? See, their growth journey will help develop a Bible-based sense of self-worth by discovering more about who we are in Christ and experiencing the level of freedom and choice and personal authority. I don't know. I know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of Christians over the years. We talked about it in the song about tradition and religion, you know, coming down and shaking that thing up. But even the word accountability is a law mindset. It's a works-based mindset. It's not grace. I'm telling you, it's not. It's not trusting in the Lord with all your heart and leaning not upon your own understanding. Because we want to like to, and it's very easy for us with the world mindset to bring it, try to bring it into the church and then try to make the church believe what we believe when in fact it has nothing to do with the kingdom. It has nothing to do with the scriptures and what God is trying to teach us. 
in growing in our faith-based truths are the best model, for the best model is Jesus. Seeing the best quality of life available to every believer in Christ. And this growth and journey will help us to discover Jesus' ultimate teaching about how to have heaven on earth. That was always his intention. Jesus, that's how he lived. He lived, while he was here on earth, he lived from heaven. He said that he always seen heaven. He always seen what the Father was doing because Jesus experienced heaven on earth. And that's what he wants us to experience, heaven on earth. But again, let me remind you that God has one overreaching goal for your life. He has one, one goal for your life, a deep, personal, loving relationship wherein you participate in and benefit from all of his power and all of his resources. He explicitly expressed his strategy for compelling us into this relationship. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's on page 295 of your Bible, if you're using mine. <laughs> Otherwise, look it up in the index in the front. It's only about four or five books after Genesis. Genesis 30. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 30. Thank you for helping me. Deuteronomy 30, verse 4. 15. It's 15 through 20. But I want to paraphrase it for you. You can look at it if you want, but here's what I, how I paraphrase it. If you will choose life instead of death, you and your children will have an extraordinary life in the land I provide for you. If you choose life instead of death, you and your children will have an extraordinary life in the land I provide for you. And when you experience this incredible life, you'll love and trust me. You'll see the purpose of the life prescriptions I have given, and you will put them into practice. See, the new everlasting spirit covenant is not God calling us to a geographic, political, or national kingdom God is calling us to the kingdom of heaven, which is eternal, internal, inside of us. Amen? And this internal state is the basis for experiencing the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth, independent of what's happening around us. Circumstances don't bother us because something is happening inside of us that is greater, that is stronger. And the quality of life offered by God and purchased by Jesus is described in several different powerful overlapping words and terms. One of the most common terms used to describe this internal dimension translates in most English Bibles as eternal life. You, you're, you're in eternal life now. Not after you die. You got it now. It's here. Right here, right now is the word for today. Divine moment, amen? Right here, right now. And the Greek word for this eternal life is zoe, Z-O-E. Say zoe, Z-O-E. The quality of life possessed by the one who gives it. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. I like that chapter as well. That book is a very good book. 
Time for everything. It's a season for everything. Amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is there everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And then in verse 11 it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. You're all beautiful. You're all beautiful. You're all miracles. You're all God's creation. And whether you believe it or not, you were sent here by God. You were sent here by God. Every person born in this place is sent by God, and when you die, you go back to Him. Go right back to Him. He's the Father. And says in the next, uh, next sentence, after He said He has made everything beautiful in its time, beautiful in its time, period, He says, also... He has put eternity in their hearts. He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. But I'll tell you what, when you get into the kingdom and you start discovering things in God, He'll help you to see things from the end to the beginning because it is finished in Christ. See, the gift Jesus came to provide us with is a life he, we, he, he received from God. Jesus got his life from God. He emptied himself and became a man to show us all the things that we could do. He says, these things that I have done, you will do, John 14. Not only will you do these things, but you will do greater things than I've ever done. See, God's will is no mystery. He desires for us to enjoy heaven on earth. By trusting and following Him. And additionally, the life of Jesus was the perfect embodiment of the will of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Ah, that's way before chapter 11, of course. Hebrews chapter 1. I tell you to go to the chapter before it, but nah, there is none. You'd have to go to the book before it, which is Titus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these days spoken to us by His Son. So there's a lot of people still looking for prophets. I'm sorry. If you want a prophet, it's Jesus. He's got, the, he's got the message. God gave him the message to give to us. So when you read about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find out what Jesus wanted to say to us, what he wanted us to know, what he wanted us to learn. Whom he has appointed, Jesus, who he has appointed, verse 2, heir, H-E-I-R, heir of all things. We are the air force of God. Amen? Heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He was the Word of God. 
revealed in human form. He dwelt among us in the flesh. See, everything Jesus said and did and how he treated people was an expression of the character and the nature of God. The main reason Jesus came was to provide us with access to the Father. And all his resources are that we would experience his, experience his good, fall in love with him, trust and follow him into the kingdom of God and the resources of heaven. I'll say it again. The main reason Jesus came was to provide us access to the Father and all of his resources so that we would experience his good, fall in love with him, trust and follow him into the kingdom of God and all the resources of heaven. The greatest feeling of success is in a loving, committed relationship with Father God. How you doing today, Daddy? Amen? You know, the greatest choice you could ever make in life is to choose for peace. And peace, when you make that choice for peace, it's, it'll take you right into eternity. You'll never falter with that choice. See, peace doesn't happen by conquering one's enemy. It comes by ending the conflict. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 1. Right after, a little past, just turn right there from Hebrews. You don't have to go far. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith. We have obtained like precious faith. With us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you. 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 And the knowledge of God and of our and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by the glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. You have no other nature when you're after you're born again. You only have one nature. It's divine. The old nature is gone. It's gone. You only have one nature. Divine nature. If you can disprove that in the Bible, come and talk to me. But I bet you a thousand dollars you can't. Because I've studied it for 30 years. I know you've got divine nature. Amen. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust... That's what you find in the world, lust. And lust will take you down a bad path. A bad path. And then verse 5 says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And he tells you what to add to it. Meaning that when we experience the complete fulfillment by trusting God for his promise, we no longer look outside for that fulfillment. I'm not looking to anybody to fulfill my stuff. Jesus fulfills all my stuff. Amen? Again, the Bible says to us in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. 
And sons and daughters of God trust God's wisdom and instructions. Why? They know that he's faithful. Why do I trust God? He's faithful. Why do I trust God? He's trustworthy. And they believe God will lead them to the fulfillment of their desires in a way that is not destructive to themselves or others. See, the only one who can provide the perfect example of faith is God himself, because God is faithful. No part of walking with God is unimportant. You can walk with him in the silent times. What's, what's great about being silent is you don't have to remember what you said. So they can never misquote you. <laughs> and sometimes being around people, the best way to be is to be silent. You know, some people just talk too much and then and they don't know how to recover. You know? Just be quiet. Be silent. It's, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. So no part of walking with God is unimportant. Even on days when you think nothing's happening when you're sitting in church and you have, you're getting nothing out of what I'm teaching, you're getting something. Just wait till tomorrow. Just wait till Tuesday or Wednesday. And something will pop up inside of you and you'll say, where did that come from? And the Holy Spirit will say, it's me! It's me! <laughs> I'm here to comfort you to help you, to guide you. I'm here. I was sent by God. I was sent by Jesus when he rose up and sat at the right hand of the Father. It's my dispensation. I'm here to help you at every turn, to answer and to help you. See, everything about God and our every interaction with him is life-giving. God is the God of life. He's not the God of death. And therefore, nothing should be taken for granted or handled lightly. Every fruitful adventure with our Heavenly Father is a learning experience and a building block that takes us deeper and deeper into our love and trust for Him and His Word. See, while everything about walking with God is important, some areas are critical factors, and they are foundational to every other thing we know and believe. See, critical factors bring all the pieces together in a harmonious flow of life and logic that make everything else simple and understandable. One of these vital factors that I'm talking about is faith. And until we understand and operate in it as God expects, nothing else in our relationship with God will be fruitful. See, faith is simply having a great relationship with the Father, trusting Him. At every turn, even though when you don't understand it, even when you can't explain it. If you've got to explain everything and have an answer for everything, you're going to be in trouble in this life. There's just times when just can't do it. Amen? See, after all, it is called walking by faith. Say, walking by faith. See, the one common denominator of all great people of the Bible is that they were people of faith. And the Bible even says in Hebrews 11 that some of them walked by faith and never received their promises. But it never caused them to waver or to turn their back on God. They just kept walking by faith. Walking by faith. If, however, you will indulge me, we will revisit the first two most prominent examples of faith recorded in the Bible to consider 
what we may have overlooked today. See, faith in the Hebrew language, much like the Greek, is simply yet expands into many complex concepts and applications. Remember, I talked about faith-based applications in the beginning of this teacher teaching. Among other things, it means to support. Faith means to support, to confirm, to be fruitful, to uphold, to nourish, to be established, to be carried, to make firm, to be sure, to be lasting, reliable, to stand firm, to trust, to be certain, and to believe in. And all of those words form a picture of two people of, who, of whom are trustworthy and reliable. The trust shared by these two individuals is based on a total knowledge and proven track record. See, the Hebrew root word for faith spells alif. Is that, a, that how you say it, John? Aleph, mem, nun. See, the, those are Hebrew alphabet terms. The word alif is both a picture of the oneness of God and the oneness of God in man. So that's speaking of, is that, we had still that alif? Or do we move to mem? Okay. This is alif. <laughs> alif is speaking of the oneness of God of man, which speaks of covenant. See, it depicts God and man as connecting heaven and earth because of their unity and agreement. The alif could indicate that the beginning of faith is to trust God himself and not just, not just what he will do. Trust him. And don't base your relationship with him just on the things he does. Base it on the fact of you love him. Because he just wants to, he, he'll prove his love to you. He'll show you his love. I don't, he'll come after you. God chases you. I, I'm going to argue with my friend Tommy Tinney who wrote the book, We're God Chasers. No, he's chasing us. He's trying to get our attention. And then the second letter, the mem, the mem tells us that faith is based on the revealed knowledge of God. What God has said about himself, faithful. Two words, faithful, F-U-L-L, F-A-I-T-H, F-U-L-L. God is faithful. Amen? And he teaches that through his word and his name and ultimately through the Lord Jesus. It is faith, trust, that opens the door to God's word. It's his faith in me. When I read this word, things in me change. Things in me start to change. How I think, how I believe, how I trust. See, God's word brings us wisdom and insight and understanding. And the final word is, a final letter is the nun. And it's a picture of a humble man who lives by faith in God. His faith, is, his faith sustains him even when the manifestation is not yet evident. And because of his faith, he navigates life and circumstances as easily as a fish navigates through water. How many of you took a fish out of water? He's not happy. And if you take, especially if it's a catfish, he'll meow at you. Did you ever take a fish out of water? Man, if you don't get it back in there quick, he'll flap until you move. He'll make every, all kind of movement. He'll be squirming. Because you took him out of his, his world. 
He can only navigate in the water. So because of his faith, he navigates life and circumstance as that easily. But God desires that we trust him so thoroughly that we are willing to give him our all. And that, wasn't that the song we sang today? Do what you want to do, Jesus. Go ahead, do it. You were singing it. Amen? Now you're going to have to start believing it. And then you have to do faith-based application. You just don't want theory here. You want application. Amen? You want to experience. So God, we trust to give him all. Just as Jesus modeled, his will becomes our will. Our actions are his actions becoming one with him in purpose and truth. And we, like Jesus, become the word made flesh. We, like Jesus, become the word made flesh. The light of the world, the salt of the earth. Contrary to pop theology about faith, however, this is the first and foremost about harmonizing with God and His character. Trusting what God will do is rooted in knowing and believing who He is. God is faithful. God is good all the time. He doesn't get up in the morning and say, I'm in a bad mood, I got a headache. That's not who he is. He's good all the time. And he's going to bless you every day. Even if you're a mess, he's still going to come after you and try to unravel you and get you where you need to be. See, the scriptures provide us with three places that provide explicit and implicit instructions and understanding about the full dimension of faith application to bring about change in the world. The first and foremost important, as previously discussed, is the way God himself operated in faith to create the world. I mean, just read about the Genesis account, how, how he did it. The Bible said he spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light. Oh, there it is. Amen? The second model for operating faith was a man named Abraham. See, faith is a walk. Walking by faith. Faith is a walk because we walk by faith, not by sight. That's a hard one for us. You know, Thomas said, if I see, I'll believe. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. See, faith is a journey, allowing that gift God, that God gave us that is within us to touch us to touch others, to touch us first, but then we have a gift to give to touch others. It's called effortless faith. Say that with me, effortless faith. Now, effortless faith might be a troubling thing to us, but how about if God provided for you effortless provision? Anybody want to buy in? I am. <laughs> See, a journey into knowing and trusting God all of our lives for every detail, Teresa, is possible. See, faith then emerges out of trust every step we take with God leads us into mutual relationship because God teaches us, listen, the Bible, this, this Bible is relational theology. Say relational theology. Because it's about you and God and Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the way it is throughout the whole Bible. And here's how it would sum up Abraham's life. How many of you know Abraham struggled? It wasn't always easy for the man. He had some tough times going through life. Sometimes he gave in to his fears, just like us. How many sometimes know we give in to our fears? We start worrying. Obeying, then disobeying. He obeyed God. Then, you know, he said, I'll go do it. I'm going to go. But then he gets out there and he said, well, well, I don't know. But getting back up again and again. And before becoming Abraham, father of many nations, his real name was Abram, A-B-R-A-M. He had no H. And there's teachings all over the world about what the H stands for. Everybody says it's grace. God put grace in his life. But even his name Abram meant exalted father. See, Abram's name, according to the Hebrew letters of Aleph, Beth, Resh, and Mem, four, four letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which tells a compelling story of Abram as a man of faith. See, Aleph, the first one up there, portrays the unity of God and may reference the integration that became between God and Abraham. They built, they built a relationship as they went on, as they journeyed through life together. As, they were, as he was walking by faith, he and God got more related. And that happens to you. See, as you grow in faith, as you grow in your walk and journey in your life, you and God become more related. Because he'll come and help you with your circumstances. He'll help you with the things that you fight in your life and the things that you need answered. But Abraham was a man, though surrounded by pagan worship, desired to know the Creator God. He was a man, Abraham, who sought after God, like David. The Beth in his name reflects the heart-connected relationship he sought with God. The Resh speaks of repentance, meaning Abraham was teachable. Anybody who's repentant is somebody who's teachable. That's all it means. That person you can teach because they're willing just to lay it down. Not only laying down the crown, but laying down the lie and doubt. Amen? Last of all, Mem. It tells us because of the intimate heart-to-heart connection, God shared his plans with Abram intimately. See, Abraham listened. Say, I listen to God. Well, you better open your Bible and read it. You got to read it to listen. Because you may not be, if you're not, if you're not at the place where you can discern His voice from all the other voices, you might be in trouble. That's right. Abraham listened, repented, and followed God with all of his heart. Let's look at that scripture about Abraham in Romans. In Romans chapter four. We're almost done. Romans chapter 4. I'm on my last page. Gosh, what am I going to do the rest of the day? Romans chapter 4. I have to get ready for next week. (laughs) Verse 13, Romans 4, 13. It says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. I mean, if you read Romans 10, 4, it says that Christ is the end of the law. It says it. But most people don't believe it. They always got to put the law in there. 
They always want to mix covenants. We're not called to mix covenants. We're just called to believe that we're in the new covenant. That's why we take communion every day and say, this cup is the new covenant. Not the mixed covenant. The new covenant. Amen? For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, verse 16, it is a faith that he might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That's us. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God. Who God, who gives life, he gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be so a close examination of these scriptures reveal the core of Abram's faith which is based on God's account of the creation of the universe universe meaning one song that's what the word universe means one song and of man who gives life to the dead and cause those things which do not exist as though they did. See, God gives life to the dead. We were all dead in our trespasses before we came to Christ. And when we accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we were full of life. Right now, right here, right here, right now. Eternity is here, right now. When we pass, we only pass through the veil. It's here. It's right around us. Heaven is zillions of billions of miles way up there. Heaven's right here. It's right here. Here's heaven. Here it is. Here's the kingdom right here. It's internal. Here it is. Amen? who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God gives life to the dead. It was Abraham's faith in God as creator of the universe, one song, and creator of the human race, which he based his incredible faith on. Hope you're tracking with me. How do we walk? By faith. Amen? We trust the Lord with all our heart. Can't lean on our own understanding. We're in trouble if we try to understand. We just trust Him. And trusting Him means I don't always know. No different than when you get in an airplane and you fly to Florida. Or you fly to Cancun, wherever you're flying. Or you fly to California from Ohio. Just get out of town and go find some warm air. But when you get on that plane, you're trusting that 
pilot knows what he's doing. Amen? You have no doubt what he did the night before. You don't know if he went to a wedding and drank for eight hours. You have no idea what he was doing the night before. You're just trusting him. I don't know about you, but when I get on a plane, I trust the Lord. I said, if my pilot's been messing around last night, you give him a kick in his pants and tell him to stay home. You get a substitute. You get another pilot in there because that guy ain't coming to fly for me. I trust Jesus. Amen? Well, you got to, you know, either you believe or you don't. Either you just don't even think about it. You just jump on the, you know, metal coffin and jump in it. You have no idea. I don't know about you, but, hey, if I'm going to get in a plane, I'm praying. Before I take anything into my mouth, I don't care what it is. I pray. Not just food. Not just food. Not just water. Even pills. I sanctify everything before it gets in my stomach. Because my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Ain't nobody getting in without God's permission. Ain't nothing going to be done without His permission. Because I trust the Lord with all my heart. I don't lean on my own understanding. I may not know what's all in that pill, everything that they put in there. But I'll tell you what, I'll be praying. I'll be believing. And I'll be walking by faith. Amen? Like the worship team come. I hope I can get this out. <laughs> I got my I got notes, but they're a mess. It was coming fast, but going to the fig tree and it had no fruit. It was, but it had no fruit, and that was a symbol of it, of Israel, because Israel. Had works righteousness, not faith righteousness. You see, the law could never save us. It was by the Spirit of the new covenant that came. It, the, the law led to, to sin and death, but it was for a purpose. Was it evil? No, it wasn't evil. It says here. For the law was good, provided we understand its function, which is, I can't read, which is to reveal sin and to teach what is right, powerless in itself to produce righteousness. It just was there to expose sin for what it really was. It says, apart from the law, sin was dormant, which he just read. But the law aroused a desire to do what that which was forbid. So the whole thing about the law was to show us 
and reveal to us that we were sinners who needed a Savior. But what, it, what Israel did is they professed works righteousness, self-righteousness, and maintained all the extreme forms of godliness. But while they were professing God, they rejected the Son of God, which was the only way to salvation. So their religious system was was false. It was a bunch of do's and don'ts. It really wasn't faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because he had not come yet, but he came to reveal himself through them and he cursed the old way because the righteousness of God is truly only a gift from him through faith. They had eternal forms of godliness. But it says, I put here, Israel, they had the works of righteousness. They had self-righteousness. That's the old covenant. I'm going to tell you something. I was a very religious young girl, gone to church all my life, every Sunday, all alone. No one in my family went. But I had gotten religion, and I had gotten, I just have to be good. (laughs) I didn't hear that salvation comes. Yes, I knew about Jesus, and I could say I loved him, but I didn't understand that it wasn't my goodness. It was my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who then gave me the gift of righteousness. I was so self-righteous under religion. I tried I tried everything I could to be good. And I was always saying, forgive me, Lord. For, forgive me again. I never meant to do that again, and here I go doing it again. Because I w- did not understand the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. That's big. So it's not, beloved, by the old covenant way of self-effort and being good. Being good doesn't get you saved. The law cannot save. Only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ could save. It's not by how good we are. Those are the basic fundamentals of our faith. And we always need to go back to it because the world system under the law (laughs) always tries to sneak back. He did the work. He did the work and he gave us a gift of righteousness by faith. Be fully convinced that he did it. It's his faith. Amen. I'll tell you, read Romans. It will blow you away. <laughs> when, it, when it talks the law versus grace, the law versus the old covenant versus the new covenant, and what we have now is incredible. Incredible, incredible. It keeps you from feeling guilty, from feeling condemned, because in Christ there's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. 
it's an incredible truth to get in your life, to let it just permeate and remember in those hard days. Amen, when you blow it. Oh, how he loves us and what he's done for us. Amen. <laughs> you just I want I yes I I know you love me and cuz your your heavenly your earthly father your earthly mother brings you in my mother still does this does this to me and I'm 48 years old Honey I love you So come on now come on son Yeah get that together over there <laughs> Right right it's not a con- condemning it's not a condemning but it is a loving Admonishing, because we're who are we? Right? We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We are Jesus. We are Jesus to this world and to one another. Yes. So that that beautiful admonishment from the Father is always. I I I have it all day long. <laughs> you know. Do any of you guys relate to that? Let's just close with this song, and then you guys can go off and have a great, beautiful, peaceful Sunday, snowy, beautiful day.
that song to Edwin. Amen.